Time for Loud Pipes, the podcast centered around motorcycles, the motorcycle experience, and other automotive diversions. Recording from RDub Studios in Charlotte, North Carolina, or wherever sufficient bandwidth can be located. Here's Rich Warfield and Rico Hogan. Pipes episode 40. Thank you for joining us tonight. I'm Rich Warfield. He's Rico. Rico. Wait a minute. We don't have Rico tonight. So as we reported in our prior episode, Rico is enjoying his vacation, so he won't be joining us tonight. But we are lucky enough to have a guest co-host filling in and someone who's joined us before on our previous episode. So let's welcome back uh, Matthew Williams. How are you? Doing good. Thanks for having me back. Glad you could fill in. I'm I'm excited to hear about the Magna Progress and all of your riding. I understand you got some new gear and, and a nice ride coming up in May. So we're looking forward to that. Yes, sir. Okay. And our technical director will keep us straight or at least keep us on time. Mr. John Merkel, how are you, buddy? Hey, I'm doing okay. A little under the weather tonight. So hanging in there. Good deal. So if you're under the weather, are you drinking anything? No, I'm not. Are you? Coffee. <laughs> I have a cough drop trying to keep my throat not from uh you know coughing and hacking all night tonight. So that's my plan. All right. Of action. And uh just to let listeners know if you want to check out Matthew when he came on our show originally it's at thirty two. So wildpipes.net slash thirty two. Thank you, sir. Very good. No problem. All right, so we'll lead off into our chit chat and it had been cold prior to this recording, but then I know the weather has warmed up nicely. So Matthew, you riding it all lately? I am. It's great. This whole week is supposed to be almost 80 degrees. I can't wait to get home. Yeah, I'm in I'm in Denver, Colorado right now, and I'm supposed to get home sometime late Friday night, so I'm hoping the, the riding weather holds, at least for the weekend. Just in time for it to rain. It, probably. <laughs> Poor Rich. That would be my luck, right? Poor man. Yeah, it's been really nice. Even had the windows down at WRX today and the moonroof open. Very nice. Yeah, I, I did get out over the weekend, though, after my parents took off, and I rode out to Indian Motorcycles of Charlotte. Yeah, did you go see your buddy Aaron? I did. I went over there and harassed him for a while, and he was yelling at me for parking my Harley close to all the Indians, but I, I didn't really listen to him. Oh. He's like, move it down there, will you please? Put it down there. It's like, nah. So, yeah, I went over and looked at the new Springfield, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. Sweet. So I will put out our reminder again on our contest, and we've had a couple of submissions on that, so we're looking forward to many more. But just a quick reminder, we're looking for destinations. So basically, where are you riding to this year on what you would consider a long ride? And if you want to submit a tip or a trick to a long ride, we'd appreciate that. And we're we're forming up a large uh, future episode around all this content. So we appreciate any feedback either to our email address, feedback at rdubstudios.com, or the feedback link on the website. And then just want to talk real quick about our monthly production meeting. So our first Patreon supporter, Marcus, uh, from Sweden, joined us, uh, what was it, John, a week ago? Two weeks ago now? It was on the 29th. 29th, okay. So we go Monday. So it was good. Just a, a reminder on what we do there is anyone that's supporting us on Patreon at the $5 level or above will get invited to this monthly production meeting. So Marcus being the first one, he got Rico and I for an hour and it was great. We just, we talked about, you know, motorcycles, of course, what he rides and what we've got coming up in the, the production part of the meeting, of course, is you giving him some inside information on what's coming up next. And, and of course he gave us some great feedback. So Marcus, again, thanks for joining us and of course, thanks for your support. Yeah, sorry I couldn't join you guys. Uh, you know, day job was in was uh had to be there. So, indeed, yeah, we just did it quick on lunch break, so it actually worked out. Cool. All right, you turn time. You turn. All right, let's do it. All right. Well, since we talked about the Indian Project Scout. A uh, little build off. And then last episode, we talked about the Ducati Custom Rumble. Or, sorry, John, I think that was two episodes ago. Yes, the Rumble was two episodes ago. 
Um, Harley Davidson, not to be left out, also has their Custom Kings program. And we were trying to dig this up. I know they've done this a few times. I don't know if this is – it's at least the third iteration of Custom Kings. And this time they're going back to the Sportster, whereas the prior Custom Kings program was done with the Street 750. I know Harley Davidson of Charlotte did a nice Street 750. And I, I don't see him in this current program. But I didn't see him at all. I didn't see anybody from North from North Carolina. I thought maybe uh, Ray Price over here in Raleigh would have done one, but they didn't do one either. Well, that's surprising. Yeah, the North Carolina ones, this is interesting. They're in the Mid-Atlantic Oh, when you look at it. So there's one from Greensboro, like HD of Greensboro is in there. Oh, yeah. And the rest of them are Virginia. Oh, there is one from Ray Price. West Virginia, yep. Okay. Yeah, they just got them in, in different regions, which I thought was kind of strange, but the twist they're doing here is this is kind of like March Madness, where they're doing a big bracket yeah. sort of build off, you know, knockout style. It's pretty neat. But I don't know, either John or Matthew, you guys look at these, you got a favorite in this build off from what you can tell? There's a couple I've I've kind of looked at before. Um the the interesting one is the one in uh under the West, uh number four with the uh with the brass it looks like. So the kind of dirt tires, so yeah, that's interesting. That's um, let's see. This is from Yellowstone Harley in Belgrade, Montana. I believe MT is. Mm, no, you're looking at the wrong one, my man. I'm looking at the wrong one. Number four. Number four. Hold on. It's from Sound HD in Marysville, Washington. You did say West, right? I did say West. And they're numbered. Do you see it, Matthew? I. Don't actually. I, I see three and six. I see one, three, six, and eight. But I don't see a four. Was four already knocked out? <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Let me refresh the page. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I think they've already gone through a round. Oh, ouch. Okay. Yeah. Oh, mine's mine's been kicked out already. Well, it's pretty interesting. So they, like I said, there's a knockout. It's kind of knockout style. You know, they're going head to head and then eventually they'll, they'll boil it down to a national champion. And I like it. You know, I like these kind of, uh, build offs. There's been some pretty interesting bikes here and they are completely running the gamut. There's, you know, off-road looking bikes. There's choppers with long front ends. There's some, some military motif builds and just, it's it's all over the place, so it's really cool. A sidecar, at least one sidecar. <laughs> yeah, so if you, uh, on the full one, what I was looking at before, they broke it down. There's a couple of them with sidecars, and, and then talking about, you know, here in Ray Price, uh, uh, they're not even in the, they got knocked out already. Okay. Yeah, one one that caught my eye was from, from Myers Duran, Harley-Davidson in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and they started with a super low, sports are super low, XL, 883 and of course it's got a little brass or copper on there but it's got a really old looking tank like something from you know the early early 1900s but then a really cool uh, front suspension setup almost like what we saw um on the janus bikes when we were down at barber yeah and i forget what he called that but this was, it was really neat you got the spring and the shock really down low right by the hub so that's one of my favorites it looks like it's number nine on the chart in the in the southwest, yeah, and it kind of based off of, as you see, it's a nineteen fourteen Harley. So, yeah, but that does not look like a comfortable ride, though. <laughs> no, that's yeah, not much for comfort there. There's there's a little uh, leaf spring on the seat. It looks like so you've got a little suspension there, and of course they've got a single shock on the swing arm. But boy, there's not much padding on that seat. <laughs> it looks like a a leather wrapped seat pan. What do you think, Matthew? It's kind of funny. I think they're nice to look at, but uh, I'm not sure I really want to ride many of the, uh, the the options given, at least for a long length of time. Yeah, it's kind of your bar hoppers, right? You take it out and cruise around town and maybe show it off at a bike night or something. Yeah, but I just, it's not something I would do, though, personally. I like to ride just to tip mountains and explore new areas and not necessarily to go out and be seen by other people right did you uh see the one in the southeast there rich at four rivers hd that's a bagger scrolling yeah that was interesting 
That's pretty cool. They put um, what looks like full touring bags on the back and then just a small fairing on the front. That's that's pretty neat. And it's got something like a supermoto headlight with the little shroud as well. Like what yeah. you see on an enduro bike. Yep, yep. I think it's like something small they put on like a Dyna too. Like some of the small Dyna um, motorcycles. But that seat is gorgeous. I'm I'm a sucker for that that quilted pattern. That's a nice touch. Yeah, it's a nice bike. Nice bike. Oh, cool. That's what I can see you on, Rich. Yeah. So, yeah, check it out. So we just encourage everyone to check it out. This is Harley's Custom Kings build-off. So take a look there. Some pretty interesting bikes, and and we'll report back once they have a, a national champion. Cool. Well, I'll keep an eye on that for us. Do they have a deadline or a date posted on there? Yeah, the final one is coming. Let's there see. There it is at the very top. April 12th. It'll be crowned. So that's coming up. That's cool. Yeah, round two voting will close on March 13th at 11 p.m. Eastern Time. All right. Well, since we brought Matthew here to talk about some of his good, his good stuff, um, let's get into some of those topics. So I know it's warm now, Matthew, and it's like 80 degrees and you don't necessarily need it, but I understand you've got some new um, heated gear. Yes. And it's the Cycle Gear branded, well, it's really rebranded. I'm not sure what it started out life as. It might have been a, a first gear or something of that nature, but they call it Sedici. Sedici? Sedici, yeah, I think it's. Yeah, Sedici. You want to go um, with, yep. Hot wired. And I ended up with a heated jacket and heated gloves plus a little controller for the jacket that's not their standard. You have to buy that separate. Okay. But at the time we got it, it was November or early December. Uh, I expressed to my parents a desire to own this. I'm like, oh, well, just shoot me a link. I'm thinking, all right, that's great. I don't have to buy it myself. Awesome. <laughs> and at the time, it was a package deal, and it was it was pretty discounted, uh, and I was surprised about that. So I was, I was happy. We got it fairly cheap. It was under $200 for both the jacket nice. and the gloves. Now, is it and a... Is this a full jacket or is this more like a liner system? Uh, it's it's almost a windbreaker. It's actually meant to just be a liner. Okay. To go underneath either your mesh textile or under your leather. And it's by itself, it's okay. I didn't get a very large one or a very small one. It's about midway between. So the idea is you're supposed to get one that's close enough to your skin that it, it there's not a lot of... Uh, an air gap to prevent the heat from getting to you. But it's not too big that y- you could put this under your normal jacket with no problem, right? Correct. Yep. And I have done that and it's in the, the tour master that I have for my normal all season riding. Mm-hmm. It's really three. And that was the problem because it's mesh gear and it's got a quilted liner and a windbreaker liner, but it's still pretty drafty. So I needed something extra if I wanted to be out in 40-degree weather. Yeah, <laughs> that's for sure. As I found out the other night, and John saved me. Thanks again, buddy. No problem, man. With his fleece jacket, so that was nice. And I think if if I just had a straight-up leather jacket or um, a full suit, that uh, you could go down into the really cold temps, maybe with a jacket, but 40 was like my cutoff and maybe even 50 with the gear that I had before the jacket. Yeah. And the other problem was my gloves are very, they're not mesh, they're leather, they're nice, but they let a lot of air in. And so I figured if I'm going to get winter gloves, I don't want to get winter gloves and a liner. I'll just get the combined heated gloves that are winter gloves as well. All right. Well, that's encouraging because my gear, I mean, I think we've talked about it before. My gear is no good below 50. You know, right, right around the 50 zone, I'm, I'm in good shape to keep all the vents zipped up and everything. But as it gets below that, you know, the gloves are not warm enough. Even with the liner, you know, the liner maybe buys me another five or 10 degrees. But like you said, once you cross 40, that's it. You're in yeah. like freezing zone. I did get to go test this out because I've been, so there's several people in my area that I talk to on hangouts and communicate on group Twitter chats and a couple other, uh, events that we get together on and I finally got to go ride but 
the problem was it was it was 32 degrees when we started off, and it only got up to 50 as the day progressed. Oh boy! And the gloves saved my butt. They were very very helpful. Even uh, when it finally got up to 50, and we did a lot of back roads. We went into Northern Raleigh and way up into Durham, and turned around and came back. And without the gloves and the vest, I wouldn't have done it. It was just too cold. So remind me, your bike, you don't have a fairing or a windshield or anything, right? Or do no you do have fairings, a windshield? No shields, just old naked cruiser. Like yours, Rich. Like mine used to be, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that's, that is true. Oh, that's good. Well, yeah, what kind of speed? Were these side roads or were you guys hauling the mail? So we speak. were doing probably about 55 to 60 for the majority of it. Okay. And when it finally came done to be over with the ride and the guy I was with, we, we thankfully pulled over at a gas station because I didn't realize that I was on uh, reserve the whole time. <laughs> Just about ran out of gas. I, I put two and a half gallons into a three-gallon tank. Wow. So he said to me, I think I'm done, man, because we've been out for five hours, I think, at that point. From riding from almost my house all the way up into Durham and running about to New Hope Road and areas out that way. Yeah. And so I, I didn't want to take the back roads home and endure another hour and a half of, or maybe even two, just trying to sneak my way home that way. So I took Raleigh's Beltline to 40, uh, first time on the highway with this particular bike. And again, the gloves were super helpful because at that point I was doing 60 to 80 miles an hour. Nice. So what about your feet? So you've got a nice jacket and gloves, but were your feet cold at all or are you okay? And that's never had a problem with my feet. Um, so I still have, I'm a a former snowboarder Mm -hmm. and although the pants that I have, they're powder pants, they wouldn't save me in event of a crash. (laughs) They're meant to go down to really cold temperatures and still keep you warm. So, right. Between the pants and a pair of uh, thermal underwear, I never had my feet get cold. Well, that's good. That's good. And I guess we could... So the pros of it is it works. Um, but the cons of it, though, there really isn't much in the way of documentation for any of the gear that you get. There's diagrams, right. but things that I learned early on, uh, you cannot mix up the polarity of the plug when you put it on the battery. <laughs> that sounds important. Which is true for any of them. And in fact, one of the major uh, gear for the Adventure Rider group and supplies their equipment, I ended up finding answers there where I couldn't find it through the Cycle Gear website, which was if you plug the gear in and the polarity is reversed, it'll just turn on full setting Ooh. Full stop. You don't have any chance of turning it down. I mean, it works, but nothing lights up, and you get really, really hot really fast. Ouch. So, yeah. and what I was, I was in the house doing testing. I pulled a battery off a bike, and it wasn't until it started to almost burn my skin I realized, oh, I'm an idiot. That explains why it is almost too hot to touch. Yeah. So yeah, I forgot to ask you earlier. So these are wired in. There's no batteries involved with this other than the bike's battery, of course, right? That is correct. Yep. And it uses the... So that's another con that you need to watch out for. Not so much that there's no external battery pack, Mm -hmm. more that you need to be very aware of what your bike's electrical system can handle. Right. Yeah. the, The overall draw, basically, right? Right. Now, my bike is older. It's an 87, so it can only handle... And it's a smaller bike. It's a 700. Right. And finding the specs on what that alternator puts out is a pain in the rear end. It's not even in the service manuals. But I I worked it out to be about 200 watts or 250 watts coming out of it. Wow. It's pretty pretty tiny. Well, it's actually pretty tiny. A lot of the... The bigger like adventure bikes, the BMWs and such are putting out 650 to or more watts. Oh, okay. I need to look at the Modus because when I'm trying to remember when Lee was talking about that, it was some enormous alternator on that. 720 watts. Yeah. 720. Okay. All right. So that puts it in perspective. <laughs> Thanks, John. No problem, man. 
So my bike is is much smaller in comparison, and so the jacket itself at full power draws 90 watts, and the gloves at full power draw 22 watts combined. Mm. So that's almost half of what's coming out of the electrical system on the bike. Yeah, yeah, you want to have a good battery for that, right? Right, and not only that, uh, you need to make sure that you turn off every anything else that the bike is could possibly use. You try and avoid using it, and you also don't want to turn the gear on until a couple miles down the road where the bike's managed to start putting charge back into the battery. Right, and you know you're gonna get to your destination, yeah, you know, without a flat battery. So you said the jacket was 90 watts at full power. Does it have steps or modes to sort of bring that down? So let's get into the. I guess the gloves themselves, the, or I'm sorry, the equipment itself. There's three different power settings on both the jacket and the gloves. And which is where the additional little dongle that you buy for the jacket comes in place. It's, it hangs out the bottom of the jacket and with the helmet on, you can't see it. It's outside of my peripheral vision. It's a bit annoying, but it has a red, yellow, and green indicators. That show you a little, uh, like a little Christmas tree of here's where you're at. And my gripe with that is it does not start at low; it starts at high. Oh, so you you turn it on and you're you're boiling right from the get go. Yes, it's automatically yeah. at the highest setting, and I would have reversed that. I don't know anyone after having read multiple reviews online of mm-hmm. not just this equipment but other heated equipment that. Very few people get that cold that they need to use high power all the mm. time. That's like sub-zero at that point, right? Yes. I would imagine. And the gloves are the same. As soon as you turn it on, it goes straight to the highest setting. And it is really, really warm at the highest setting to the point where you feel like, this is a little uncomfortable on my skin. Yeah. Now, the jacket's one thing. It's kind of difficult to see the little dongle. But you kind of can if you just crunch around and move around a bit. If you've got a little extra weight in the midsection, it's definitely going to be difficult to see it. (laughs) That's not me. I don't know what you're talking about. So, (laughs) Not me either. (laughs) The gloves have a big square power button on them, which you can get to. You can kind of activate with the, the gloves themselves on. But you can't feel uh, like a keyboard. You can't feel a click. There's no definitive, oh, I definitely press this. And you press and hold it for two seconds and it turns on. Mm-hmm. The problem is if you immediately hit the button again to change it to a lower setting of power, it just turns off. Huh. So you have to give it a second to turn on and then you press it to cycle through the, the various settings. Which, okay, that's a nitpick of mine. I, I, got over it and used the gloves. Yeah. The issue I have is you can't see the lighting on the power button on the gloves in daylight very well. The red is very, very obvious. You can see that even in the brightest daylight. But the green and yellow, which are the the medium and the Next lowest, you really can't see it. You don't know what level you're at, and you just kind of count your clicks or cycle back through and say, oh, well, I've got red, so two yeah. more. There we go. Yep. All right. Well, so yeah, so it's, it seems like the user interface maybe is not the best, but it, it sounds like from just a riding perspective that this has basically been able to extend your season, you know, overall. Yes. And, you know, luckily in North Carolina this year, it's been, I think it was the mildest season on record. It's, we've had 60 degree days every single month. Pretty nice. So I've used them, but I haven't had to, always utilize them. Right. And the gloves, are they, like, even if you didn't use them for heating, like, are they comfortable enough just to wear them, like, for basically from, like, November to March, say, for example? Yes. In fact, I used them, I, I rode today, and it was 52, which was just on the cusp of it's too cold to wear the ventilated gloves. Right. So I wore the heated gloves, but didn't plug them in. Because they're completely sealed, they're windproof. They say they're waterproof. I'm not going to test that. <laughs> you want to let you keep stuff on. Well, not so much that. Is it, there's an inner liner on them as well, and so then you have to take a 
take take time to dry them out and take it apart. Yeah, yeah. But hmm. they worked well. Uh, they're very bulky, but that's really true of any winter glove. So it, feeling the inputs and uh, especially using the turn signals, I find that with the winter gloves on, I just forgo the turn signals and say, you know what, I'm just I'm gonna go and I'm going this way. Everybody, I, I'm small enough that I really shouldn't get in anyone's way. And normally I'm, I'm a stickler for signaling and such, but it's too difficult and I don't have self-canceling turn signals. Yeah, that's the, the nice thing about the Harley controls is the the sig- turn signals are on each side. So there's one on each side and it's just a big push button. You know, you just mash it in with your thumb, it self-cancels and you're good to go. But I think on yours, is it is it more like the, the post or the stick where you move it one side or the other and you kind of press it to center it, to cancel it? Oh, uh, there is no pressing. You have to move it back to center by yourself, and it just, it's just a little slide button, and you, you have to, with these winter gloves on, I find myself trying to turn it off while I flipped it over to the other direction. <laughs> so you're signaling left and right, and then left yeah. again? <laughs> so it was just bad enough that I gave up and just figured, well, I'll take the ticket over confusing everyone and trying to do this while I'm, I'm in an angle leaned over and right. I'm safer trying not to. Yeah. And no one's no one's seeing you anyway. So don't worry about it. Well, that is true. <laughs> oh, so, good stuff. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. If you're looking for an inexpensive, cause it's not cheap, but right. it's definitely the most inexpensive heated gear on the market. I would recommend, yes, I would use these. They work. All right. There you go, Rich. You need to get yourself a set. Yeah, I was just going to say, so officially this is called Sedici Heated Jacket Liner 2.0, and I guess this is the Hot Wired series. That's what they Correct. call it, right? Oh, the other, if you're expecting these gloves to be like a gauntlet, and I'd, I'd hoped that it was going to be a gauntlet type, like the Gerbings, uh, is it BMW right. uses that as their brand. They're, they're a big, thick, gauntleted glove that go over top of your riding jacket. These, These are not are, that long? Well, they're not real long, but they're, there's no big cuff. So uh, my textile jacket's really big and kind of bulky. So it is a gauntlet. It just wouldn't go over your jacket. Right. Huh. So yeah, I'm looking at the having, picture. It looks big on the, on the website, though. It does, but it does not fit over top. I tried. So I have to kind of shove it under the mesh jacket and then mm. Velcro over top of it. And the wired portion has a really, it, uh, it plugs into a post on the glove and it, it's not bendable and you don't want it to be because it would break. Right. So it can be difficult sometimes to get everything tucked in. Well, and then if you, if you're tucking it into your jacket instead of over the cuff, then you're getting wind, potentially getting wind up the arm, right? Yeah, I don't actually experience that though with with my textile, so I've been fortunate that way. Plus, I have all the other insulated layers on it, so yeah, nothing is through the the gloves itself or the the sleeves. Well, that's something I'll have to keep in mind. I definitely, like I said, I got liners for my gloves probably two years ago, and and that helped. It gave me a few more degrees, but like you said, once it's below forty, you're gonna have to have some external heat. Yeah, and I, I picked up a ski mask type thing that's neoprene for my head. Yeah. That, uh, mostly because I was, I get a lot of air into the bottom of the helmet and I found that I, I finally had nailed the, well, my hands aren't cold anymore and my core is not cold anymore, but now my neck is freezing. Right. <laughs> so yeah, you end up with a little baffle on the helmet or what'd you do for uh, that? No, so it's it's not a ski mask. It looks similar, and it's about twenty dollars off Amazon. And it just it goes over your whole head, and it, the mouthpiece comes up and could potentially go over your mouth. My helmet just pushes it down every time I try and put it on. Hmm. But at least it blocks all the wind, and combined with the jacket that comes up to almost the bottom of the helmet, it makes it bearable to ride into thirty degrees. So it might be something that you'd get on a snowmobile, Rich, riding, you know, winter ski mask type thing that comes down over to, into the jacket. Yes. Yeah, I've got a couple of those from my skiing days, but I don't, I don't think any of them would fit under my helmet. I oh, this is really very thin. It's, uh, it, it, 
feels more like cotton than anything else. And it's probably about the same thickness as a t-shirt. Yeah. There was, um, I'm trying to remember the name of this, but there was this really cool, um, like a neck device. I don't know what to call it. It's kind of like a scarf, but it was fitted, you know, and it just had Velcro. You just wrapped it around your neck, kind of tucked up under the bottom of your helmet. I wish I could find that, that link. Cause that looked like a pretty good idea as well. Instead of putting something under the helmet, cause yep. I, like you said, I find under the helmet, I'm fine. It's just the neck, like chin and neck area that, that gets cold there. Good stuff. So now you have all this heated gear. Does that mean you've been taking the magna out? Sadly, the magna still requires parts and it was December. So you have to counting Christmas and my family's fairly large. So we spend yeah. a fair amount of money on Christmas and then. Uh, January and February, we have some birthdays and then again in March. So discretionary money that I would spend on motorcycles has been less it's a little thin, than, right? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's really very close. So we left off where I kind of had it running and it yep. seemed to be okay. And I finally taken it out on a rolling test run and it was not producing the power you would expect from that bike. So the zero to 60 time was five seconds and it really should be closer to about four. Right. But it, that didn't tell the whole story. So f from first gear should do 60 and then second gear should top out at about 85. And then right. you start getting into very illegal numbers after that. Uh, it could only do 60 in f second gear. So something was definitely mm. not right. I thought at first it was the clutch. So you weren't getting the top end out of it basically. No. So, what happens with the carbs, these little, they call them, it's either isolators or insulators. They're just a little rubber ring that connects the carb body to the engine body. Right. And they're 35 years old. It's an 83. Uh, they just, they crack over time and mine tore from getting them off the bike and on the bike and off the bike and on the bike. These, the V4 carbs are not pleasant to put back on the bike. Uh, unlike the inline fours where you can just push down and plug it in and there's no finagling, right. you're dealing with a V engine input. So you're, you move from one side of the bike to the other, you move from the front to the back and something always gets pinched or doesn't want to go right in about 15 minutes into it. You're about ready to throw something across the garage. And <laughs> ultimately though, I got a small tear, but all I have three out of the four boots are leaking air. So okay. what, what at first seemed to be a clutch problem actually turned out to be an unmetered air problem. Hmm. So it's sucking in, sucking too much air because of the cracks. Yep. So that is the, the main issue that needs to be fixed because it's running really, really lean. And it also explains why I was getting backfires and other just oddness at idle. Uh, the other thing I've discovered is the seals inside of all the pistons for all the brakes have just, they've expanded their complete and total loss. So I need to replace all the rubber pieces in the brake calipers. More parts, more money. Yeah. No, they're not overly expensive. The rebuild kit for each side is about $30. That's not bad. No. And the twin calipers in the front, right? Yeah. The rear is fine. The rear is not dragging. But what I've, what led me to this was I, I'll wheel the wipe the bike out. And I'll start the bike up and let it run for a bit, and then put it back in the garage. I, I'll wheel it out, and it's fine. But as soon as I touch that front brake, getting it back into the garage is almost impossible because it it's like pushing the thing uphill and it's flat. <laughs> so the only thing I conclude conclude is. Having touched the brake, the pistons push in, and they're just not ever releasing back. Huh. So that could also be part of my problem of I'm not going as fast as I should be in all the gears. I mean, yeah. it's a combination of the the air thing, but also the front brakes sticking on me. So yeah, your air fuel mixture is not is not ideal, and then your brakes are dragging. So yeah, that that kills the speed for sure. So it's just the little things. Uh, the the carburetor boots are sixty bucks for the four of them. And someone in, it's not Concord, but it's, 
It's out towards Outer Banks. It's got a shop that sells vintage Honda parts, and it's $13 or $14 a boot. Nice. And I thought about driving out there, but by the time I got done driving the hour and a half or two hours out and back, I'd pay less in shipping costs. Right. So, Have you looked at, um, I don't know if he has parts for this. I think he mainly does more like gold, the gold wings, like the GL 1000. Have you looked at Randax cycle shack? I think I had, I think we discussed that last time and yeah. I'll have to go back and look at that again. I still like that, but I, I'm still thinking of that old GL 1000 would make an awesome project bike. Yeah. So that's, that's still on my project list. Many people are turning those older GLs into bobbers and other interesting oh, yeah. work. Yeah. But Matthew, you got explained it. You might, you know, with us talking, the the Magna project might get moved up a little bit. Talking, yes. Lot talking today, huh? <laughs> so today I went out and I picked up a tail bag because it's it's no longer ideal to be ratchet strapping my backpack to the back of the bike. It's only got a really tiny sissy bar and back seat, so the sissy bar, the sissy, the seat in the rear is about four inches wide. The backpack's like fourteen inches wide. Oh, jeez! And so I actually have put up YouTube videos of just me fighting with the bag, and what was an hour and twenty minute trip became an hour and forty because I had to pull over ten times. <laughs> I'm going there now. <laughs> so uh, I just. Wanted something that was built for the motorcycle. I could strap on it and hold the laptop. So today I went out to Chapel Hill to go pick one up. It was $40 for a bag that's usually about 120 and couldn't pass it up. Nice. So uh, to go there, I took Interstate 40, and it's an uphill slog from where I'm at in Durham to Chapel Hill. Yeah. And the, the bike did well. The intruder was okay on the highway. The problem is that it's also really buzzy. And I guess by that I mean it felt like my higher feet RPMs were going to or... vibrate off. Yes, it, it runs very high RPMs. There's, it needs a sixth gear. Yeah. That would be extremely beneficial, but it's only got five. And the, it feels like if you've been on a riding lawnmower for about an hour, it's about the same of being 20 minutes on the highway on this thing. It was... Not ideal. Yeah. So once the speed, once the speed gets up, then you get a lot more vibration. It sounds like. Yes. Mainly from the from the engine. Is that what you think? Just because it's turning so many RPMs. Yeah, that's what it feels like, and it's a smaller V twin. Yeah. Yeah, I, I said to him today when he told me that I said, "Just imagine going seven hours on that bike for a ride." <laughs> Barber. Yeah. And the exhaust doesn't help either because I hear the exhaust over the wind even at 75. It, it, I'm not sure I want to spend seven hours on that bike uh, with that much noise. Sure you do. Rich, you don't know anything about noise, do you? I don't know anything about that. <laughs> so the trip today made me think, you know, I, I have bought the Magna for the exact reason that it's a better highway bike. It turns far fewer RPMs. It's got a six-gear overdrive. Mm. And so and we have a trip. We'll yes, and be Coming up in May, we have a trip planned for a bunch of people, the motovloggers from Tennessee, Georgia, and North Carolina. We decided we'd get together and have an unofficial meetup in the Asheville and Tennessee mountains. Very cool. So that's... That's what's driving all this. The, we're going to go up on the 20th, I believe. It's May 20th is a Friday. So the Magna's going to tame the dragon? Is that the plan there? That's the thought. I'm a bit... Honestly, if I could trailer the intruder behind the Magna, I would. And the reason being, <laughs> the intruder sits lower. I think it would be better... It's more flickable, I guess, if you want to go with that direction. It's 100 pounds lighter than the Magna. The right. Magna is not a small bike, so the second generation of Magna, the 90s, sit very low, and they're kind of small and compact versus the older Magnas, which are just gigantic beasts of things. Yeah, it looks like the center of gravity is high, too. Like It looks like, not like lifted, but it looks like the bike is almost unusually tall for, for what it is. It is, and I'm... Fairly short, so 
So I'm torn. I'm not sure which is going to go yet. I, the Magnet would be a better bike to get there, but the Intruder would be a better bike once we are there. I don't know about a trailer behind that thing, but no, maybe no. maybe John can pull it behind the WRX. That's true. No, he can take all my gear and your bike. No, I'm going to pass on that one. No, no hitch on that car. In fact, I don't think I don't think you can put one on it. The funny part about this meetup is it started out with about five of us, and then we, as a group, started to realize, hey, there's a lot of people that are local to us, and we started inviting them onto our streams to chat and talk and. Mm-hmm. I think we've actually grown to about 12 or 15 people that are going to go and do this thing that are all local. Nobody, it's not crazy distance wise. There's, like I said, yeah. it's just going to be Tennessee, Georgia, and North Carolina. And a couple are going to trailer bikes out. Uh, and, but the rest of us are going to ride. And the people trailering are the guys that are going to be riding the hyper motards. Oh, right. Because I can't possibly think that'd be a fun ride out there at all. No. Well, yeah. It depends on how far away they are, right? Uh, they're all here. They're just slightly north of me by about 20 minutes. Right. No, but what I mean is if, if they're going to try and ride those bikes, even from like your house out there, that's a long ride on a bike like right. that. That's Once you mean. get there, it's going to be a blast. But Oh, yes. Now, the other complications, there's apparently some very big meetups coming in that same date that we're hoping to avoid. So although yeah, that's- we want to ride... No, want to ride the dragon we might end up um skipping it or doing something different because uh there's gonna be a lot of harleys out there to do the largest harley run on the dragon for some reason on the same day is that, that um, going to be that friday it well it will be the saturday or the saturday i mean yeah yeah and then uh, also looking on the the dragon site the subaru forester group are going to be doing a at 12 o'clock going to be driving the dragon yeah, and John and I have talked about this offline. I mean, my my whole thing with the Tale of the Dragon has always been, it, it's kind of like going anywhere around Asheville in the fall. It's just like everybody's out to see the foliage and, and clog up the Blue Ridge Parkway, basically. But there are so many other good roads in that area that you really can't go wrong. I mean, even if you don't get to the Tale of the Dragon, you can spend just as much time on roads that are just as much fun. And you know, have a third of the traffic. I think that's mostly part of our plan. We're definitely going to hit the yeah. Skyway and ride around. And there's a there's so many roads to choose from, and we're going to be riding all day. And so the the idea, since all of us are coming from fairly far, we're going to ride out on a Friday, do all the highway mileage then, and then camp out, and then do our group ride Saturday. And Saturday night's going to be the, all right, we're all going to get together and just have fun relax kick back and yes shenanigans will be had i'm sure (laughs) that's funny very good so so all camping then i know i know i've sort of expressed my my hesitation and i'm still trying to go i'm I'm trying to work that out rico's planning to go and if i can get that lined up i certainly will and i'm not opposed to camping i just john's gonna have to take my stuff though if i'm going camping (laughs) all got it man I got a 10 already. <laughs> I think our the problem is we're all really, really, really cheap. <laughs> and yeah. so we did, we have looked at cabins at the place we'll be staying at, and the, the pricing was, I think, $150 for one night. That's like a hotel. Yeah. Jeez. We just couldn't, we couldn't swing it. We couldn't really justify it. And the tent camping's $10. And if you want an electrical outlet, 5 bucks. Right. Hmm. And really it's it's only the two nights total. We can all kind of suck it up and, and yeah. deal with the camping. Yeah, my my only other thing was mainly just being fresh for Saturday, you know, sleeping out in a tent and then, you know, getting up and tackling something like the dragon. True. You know, I'm not as young as I once was. No, none of us are. In fact, I think the youngest one going is going to be 25 and the rest of us are all in our 30s or early 40s. Right. Yeah. Is that, is that going to make Rico the old man at 46? <laughs> I think he will be the oldest. <laughs> oh. Oh. Well, then he has the right bike then. Yeah. The couch potato. Yeah. Too bad it wasn't a Harley because, you know, I could use the Grandpa Glide joke, but, you know, he's riding an Indian, so. So, so, so Rich, are you, go- are you going to uh, bring the deuce or are you going to try to swing the other bike? 
Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'd probably ride mine. I I had kicked around the idea of renting a touring bike for the weekend to kind of shake that down and, you know, give it a give it a sort of a good feel, you know, get a street glide or a road glide right. that I could put some good highway miles on, you know, take it through the twisties. But I don't know if, if we are going to hit something like the tail of the dragon, I probably want to be on my bike just for the comfort, right. something I'm used to, something I ride quite often. Like Matthew said, I mean, I, I want to go out and yeah, it'd be fun to take WRX to the tail. But if there's going to be so many people, I've kind of done the search and it's kind of like, I might kind of do some like the skyways or something else kind of yeah. route is my opinion. If, and, you know, or you get over there and you see what it is. If there's a lot of people coming down it, then, you know. Yeah. Well, on the plus side, it's only, what, like 11 miles as far as from. Yeah. It happens pretty quickly. Yeah. From from what Deb was saying on the last episode there, you know, she said it's it's over before you know it. And you're kind of wanting more. Yeah, and we can always take off and go around by. There's a, a dam or a lake of some kind. That you can split off from and yeah yeah like if it's if it's slow right because if there's that many bikes and cars it's bound to be slow it's going to be moving slow right that's the other thing so yeah you sound there's places to bail from what i understand or at least one point right right yeah cool so we're we gonna re- we're gonna record an episode then if i end up making it out there <laughs> i think we'll do we like will. a round table around the fire we're going to try that the only thing I can't promise is uh, that most of us will be sober enough to be coherent. <laughs> we'll have to do that Friday night. <laughs> it will probably or, be the or Sunday morning. Yeah. yeah. Or you just have to do a lot of or explicit tags are rich. Yeah. That could be. Yeah. Because unfortunately, we as a group, they're going out. We don't usually mod- moderate what we say on our hangouts. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard a couple of yours. They're, yeah. they're not, not suitable for children. <laughs> no, no, they're not, but we have fun. I'm looking forward to it. If I can make it, like I said, I've, I've wanted to do that kind of road on my bike just to sort of, you know, have that stat to go along with the bike. But yeah, I've always had hesitation due to the crowd. So we'll see. Now, the other thing is it clears out by four o'clock in the afternoon. Typically, uh, that's the, Killboy and the other 129 photo elves, they close up shop and head out at four. And so it, it shouldn't be too dark by that point. So even if we came through there at six or seven, yeah, it should get, be pretty clear. Yeah. Once the time changes, well, this is going to be May. So yeah, it's going to be daylight out till eight o'clock, you know? All right. Well, so you're going to have a meetup with, um, vloggers, video bloggers. Um, you're still doing that. I understand. Right. How's that going for you? It's going well. Uh, it's a good outlet. And I never thought that I would be able to get in and continually produce these things where, in essence, you go out and you're riding, but you're just talking mm-hmm. to yourself. And I guess I have a lot to say to myself. It's, it's just taking your inner monologue and just doing it vocally. A lot of the times, uh, I actually am lucky in that what I do, I don't have to do a lot of edits to. I can usually just, oh, look, I have this thought. it make an interesting topic that people might be interested in. And I've been, after practicing, I'm able to get them to about six or eight minutes each time I try to do one. Because that's about the normal attention span that you're going to find on a normal YouTube user. Yeah, that that seems to be a good length, though. I've watched a couple of the, the most recent ones. Uh, I'm sort of behind on everything nowadays <laughs> with work, you know, podcasts and videos, but that length does, does feel about right for an episode. You know, if you're, if you're calling it an episode, you know, to get in, to stay interested, you know, and then move on to the next one. So seem to be yeah. doing a good job. So yeah, I have to agree. That's about the right length. I wouldn't go much longer. No. And I've, a couple of people I've been watching recently have been putting out 14, 15 minute uh, entries and, it's okay if it's like there's a mail call for a lot of these guys. The people, as you get bigger, people start sending you stickers and fan mail and whatnot. And those can run kind of long. And that makes sense because you, you let it pile up. And then once a month or every two weeks or whatever, you, you put together a mail right. episode. And occasionally there's ones where like, look, I have this really tremendous 
life-altering event, and I'd have to get it out, and I can't make it short. <laughs> right. And that's fine, too. And I just find, though, that I can't... I, I don't have a very high tolerance for edits. I, I don't like to spend an hour to create a seven-minute video. That's just not my style, and I don't have that much free time to give it. So if I can nail it in just, just one take, I say what I need to say, and maybe cut out a stoplight or or whatever... That's fine. I'm cool with that. Yeah. Well, and I think congratulations are in order. You're almost at 100 subscribers, right? I'm getting close, and I have a humongously awesome video plan for that. <laughs> I have found sparklers. I was looking for them for like a month, and I finally found them. Good stuff. Well, congrats on that. We'll be watching for sure Good on deal. that one. Now, anything else you're doing in the in the blogging world, You know, in addition to what you're putting up on YouTube? You got anything else going on? I've been talking to a lot of folks on Hangouts. It started out with just one where I, I got invited regularly to a, a Saturday Hangout. And our group, I don't know if we, you'd say splintered. We, we, the Saturday Hangouts are just, they're strange. There's, there's really no, uh, no other good explanation for it where the guy that runs it and one of the main other antagonists of it just, they like to rile things up. Which is fine, but it becomes very uh, tiresome, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. You can't have an actual real conversation like we're doing here. So we've actually been doing every other Friday, uh, some of us get out and just talk. Talk motorcycle stuff or talk whatever, but it doesn't have to be all weird and silly all the time. Right. But in addition to that, I, I support two people on Patreon, and they provide Patreon hangouts for us. And so I've been doing those and then I've been getting invited to some Sunday ones and occasional Thursday ones. So I have been, um, what's the word in trouble. <laughs> oh, you in a dog house uh, from the other half, because she's like, wow, you're doing another one. I would say for, for just $5, you can get into ours monthly as well. <laughs> plug, plug. <laughs> and I would consider it if I wasn't doing the other two right now. Yeah, I'm just messing with you. I'm I'm sure you've got uh, more than enough heat from the other side, so you got to keep that to a minimum, right? This is true. So, uh, sitting here, Rich, and you talked about how you got out and took a ride and talking about something. You know, did you get my package I shipped you? I did. So, I got the package, and I haven't used it yet, but at least I took it out of the box. Does that count for something? Okay, <laughs> maybe. I've I've only ridden, I think I've only been on a bike twice uh, since the package came. And both times it was kind of rushed. So what I did was, you know, I took a lunch ride one day. And then uh, Saturday, like we said, I went over to to Indian and took a look at the new Springfield. And both rides were, were kind of hurried. So I didn't bother trying to figure it out and set it up. But I did take it out of the box. And I'm, I'm going through the manual. And I'll charge it up. And I'll try it out soon. Don't you worry. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not scared of it. So, yeah, so uh, as people remember, we got the, the Senna 20S. Rich and I split a, a package, and Rico got his. And and Matthew got his back from Repair Shop. So uh, him and I, what was it, a week ago Monday? Yeah, so a week ago Monday, yeah, Matthew. So. You and I hooked up, took a little ride with it, and tested it out with me in the car and him on the bike. And uh, I have it kind of attached to the, uh, I took my garage door opener clamp off. From the opener to the for the visor and and mounted it to the the setup clamp and have the uh, the headphones the earpieces are uh, velcro so they attach the the to the um to like the ceiling yeah the ceiling Headliner. without a problem but the only okay. problem is is that the sounds not hot, loud enough for that so I had to plug in external earbuds to hear him clearly yeah I was going to ask you how that worked out in the car for you yeah it worked out it, it didn't work out bad I mean it. I mean, um, we did a little, he went back to the office and I went in a different way. And as soon as we pretty much veered apart, you know, we lost it, but we didn't pop up the little antenna that they have. Yeah, we found that's right. a very important part of getting the long distance part done. And if you're on the highway and you're doing line of sight, it's actually uh, less good. required you know, oh, okay. as far as that little pop-up antenna goes. Now, John, what about, you said you plugged in other headphones couldn't you just take like an auxiliary cable and plug it into the car stereo would you be able to do that to hear 
probably could. Um, problem is, is that where the where the the center is is up on the visor in front of me. The auxiliary plugs in the in the middle of the console, so it's kind of a trying yeah, to get the wire cable. run. Yeah. Um, and the other thing is, is because the the mic, you know, needs to be really close. So that's the other problem. Is you know the mic needs is sitting on the sun visor as well. So yeah, yeah. If you put that in the middle of the car, it probably wouldn't even pick you up. Yeah, it's kind of really far hard. away. Um, now and I tested it out before with Matthew to see how it would work, and that's what we found is. But Matthew didn't have a problem hearing me. I mean, I didn't have a problem hearing him. I mean, I could hear him on the bike, and it worked. So, just sounds like you need to get a helmet. That or I have one. <laughs> And a bike. Come on. Oh, get your well, bike. Well, I need the funds. Oh. Patreon.com yeah. slash RW Studios. <laughs> get you on a bike. Get, we should make that a goal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So it should be cool to, cool to set that up. And, and like I said, it wasn't bad. I mean, Matthew and I kind of played with it and worked it out. So I think you might like it, Rich. We're still playing around with the actual pairing of devices, and that, that's really the, the largest time sink of it. And yeah. the manual makes it seem easier, and it might actually be easier if you use the device to pair instead of the phone application to pair. Okay. Not entirely sure, because we both ended up having to pair to each other with the phone before it would really take, which it hmm. should not do that. I'm not sure why it did. Yeah, I'm, I'm most interested in what music ends up sounding like because I think the communication chatter is going to be probably at a minimum. I, I would I would just guess, and most of the time, what I'll be using it for, I would imagine, would be just listening to music. The music's so I'm, decent. I'm, I yeah, I used it today when I did my highway trip, and I never took it to full volume. And my helmet is not very quiet. It's a HJC IS seventeen. Okay. All right, that's encouraging. Now, I can't speak for a half-faced helmet or uh, a three-quarters. Yeah. Mine's a full-face. Yeah, no, I would only use it with a full-face helmet. I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't even try it with anything else. I mean, I just, like my half-helmet, there's nowhere to put the, there's nowhere to put the speakers. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Except maybe into the little strap that comes down alongside, but, but mine are open. Like, the ears are completely open on my half-helmet. So we'll give it a try. Yeah. All right, John, I got one more quick topic, and then I think we'll get going. Okay. I need to get dinner out of here. Um, so one other topic here, Matthew, I've been sort of window shopping a little bit, and I put a couple pictures up on our on our Facebook page, and I was over at Harley-Davidson of Charlotte not too long ago, and I set on a new street glide, which had 12-inch ape hangers on it, and a road glide that had 14-inch bars on it. And I have to say, for a long time, I've sort of looked at that almost like, yeah, it's kind of silly. Like, I don't want my hands that high in the air until I rode the Magnum about a year ago now that had the tall bars on it. And it was more comfortable than I thought. But I think the problem on that one is the bars were a little too tall for me because my hands, I think, were just slightly above my shoulder. So that's that's kind of beyond what you're looking for, at least from what I got in, in talking to the guys at um, at the Harley dealer. And sitting on this street glide, John, just with the 12-inch bars, man, it just seemed right. And I think I'm coming around to it, so I, I want to go ride one, you know, with the bigger bars on it and see what it's like. So so you're going to go get one, huh? huh. Well, I said I'm going to ride one. I didn't say I was going to buy one. Oh, <laughs> okay. Uh, you know, I've got these very odd buckhorn bars on the intruder. And I catch no end of grief for these things. It's amazing <laughs> how many people it annoys. Yeah, I know. <laughs> to the point where I actually switched how I was recording when I put videos up from regular wide view to a super wide view. And I still catch flack for, man, that's even worse. But oh, man. I don't mind them. That the, they're, they're not fun at low speeds. I'll tell you what, it's really strained going from a handlebar like you'd expect on a bicycle. You have some control to these. Your elbows are really close into your body and you're trying to steer in a parking lot and not fall over. Yeah, that's tough. It takes practice. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I want to try it. it. It seemed real comfortable. And the other thing I liked on the street glide was 
with the bars being that high, the mirrors were then under your hands. And I thought that was just a nice, clean look to the bike. Oh, yeah, I see that. So I, I really want to go go check that out. But I'm, I got to say, John, the road glide is growing on me. Every time I look at it, it gets a little bit nicer. Even with the platforms there? Oh, the, the running boards? Yeah. I don't know what to do about running boards, but I'm, I'm talking about the snout. I've never been a fan of the, the fairing on the road glide. Yeah. But the more I look at it, I'm, I think I'm ever so slowly coming around to it. And we'll see. Well, see what happens. You got to get the okay first, though, man. man. I know. Bro. There's so many bikes out there we, we've got to look at. We've got to get the Moto Guzzi when that comes up this summer. I want to ride the Multistrada. Still want to get on a Modus at some point. So many bikes to ride. I would not be opposed to being given a Modus for a week or a year or more. <laughs> I know, right? I, I wouldn't be able to buy it, but so one of the other nice things is I've got a car website that I help post and maintain, mm-hmm. and they do car reviews. And I had said to the owner just this week, "Hey, you guys used to review bikes. <laughs> I would be absolutely." more than happy to go out and do bike reviews from the local area for you. And he said, oh, yeah, okay. Nice. How about we get a BMW or a Ducati for a week, and we'll see how that works out. I'm like, oh, well, that would work. You're like, yeah, that wouldn't suck. Because <laughs> yeah, he's thinking it, it wouldn't be uh, it'd be the, the, the BMW touring, uh, like I think he mentioned RT, or yeah. it wasn't the GS. Yeah, yeah probably an RT, or... If you're going big touring, like the K1600 or something. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. I would love to be able to be on a really nice adventure bike that I can't afford just to see how it goes. That's cool. Yeah, keep us posted. We'll uh, we'll be watching for that, certainly, if you get, get out to ride some. There will definitely be video of that if that gets to happen. Yeah, I mean, that's that's like uh, Deb from last episode. You know, she's on a, she fell in love with BMW, and she rides those. And you yep. probably could find a, an old... BMW bike. Aaron's wow. got one. Aaron's got a R R twelve hundred or R eleven hundred RT. I think yeah. is what it is. Yep, about three four grand. I like them, but again, it's it's a maintenance thing. Of yeah, I get. You know, most bikes are fairly maintenance intensive, but BMW as a whole brand between both bikes and cars seems to be a little more pricey to upkeep. Mm-hmm. Or it can be. I guess it's like anything. You get a good That's one, true. you don't have to worry about it. You get a problematic one, and you're forever fixing something. And I've seen a couple of the BMWs around this area for the $5,000 range that were nice. The bigger ones, the, the 1,200cc ones. Yeah. yeah. They're still the adventure models, but still more than I can invest in a bike right now. Good deal. All right, Matthew. Well, I'll, uh, I'll give you the final comments here. If there's anything else you want to plug or... Anything else you've got going on, let us know. Um, and thanks again for joining us. This is this has been a lot of fun again. Yes, these are always fun. Well, if anyone is looking to get into watching motovloggers, uh, the channel name will probably include in the show notes because it's my name will show up on the screen as just Matthew Williams. Uh, but the, the channel is called Off Balance, O-P-H Balance. Very good. And you, do you have links there to some of the other folks that are going to be joining you on the ride in May or...? It should automatically populate those, and there, there'll be a little sidebar that YouTube provides, and um, you'll see them commented and tagged in my other videos, and it, I usually include, so I have a playlist of this current year we're in, and I include the Hangouts, and that will give you links to the people that we talk to on a, a regular basis. Okay. Good stuff. Yeah, we'll be checking that out for sure. All right, John, anything new on your end? Last call? No, I'm all set, man. It's been a good evening again hanging out, and thanks, Matthew, for joining us. And, and you know, sorry Rico could not partake in this, but, you know, he's probably down there enjoying the sun, the water, and drinking whatever beverage he can find. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he's enjoying himself. So, yeah, Rico, if you're if you're listening, or I know you're listening, but, yeah, we, we miss you, bud. But Matthew did a good job standing in, so thanks for that. You're welcome, guys. All right. Uh, show notes and links for this episode can be found at our website. And this episode will be loudpipes.net slash 40. And we also have our links to subscribe to the show via iTunes, Stitcher Radio. There's also a subscribe on Android button. 
Uh, star ratings and reviews on iTunes and Stitcher Radio are a great way to help promote the show. And if you feel it's less than five stars or you have questions or comments, drop us a note at feedback at rdubstudios.com or you can use the feedback link on our website. And lastly, if you want to help us reach our goals and receive rewards for your contribution, check out our donation page at loudpipes.net slash donate and click on the Patreon image. We also still have the one-time donation button that is available and donations of any size are greatly appreciated. Well, thank you, gentlemen. Episode 40 is in the can and time to put the kickstands up. All right, man, let's get out of here. All right. Thanks, everyone. Take care. Shambhila. This has been an RDub Studio production. Check us out at rdubstudios.com, iTunes, or Stitcher Radio.